suffering. So that's what I want to share with you guys about suffering as Christians, right? The whole world suffers, but as Christians, we are also suffering, have suffered, and so, and we'll have some more sufferings in our lives. So, the word sufferings in the dictionary, it means undergoing pain and distress and hardship, you know. So then, in, in, in the Bible di- uh, dictionary, it tells us that suffering is a product of the fall, of the fall in the Garden of Eden when they ate of the fruit that they were forbidden not to eat, and they, at that moment, sin came into that, to their lives, right? And so, that's the beginning. So, suffering in our lives, be, we're suffering sometimes because of this broken world, you know, this, this world is broken. This is a question that many people ask, you know, why? And so, some sufferings are due to our own mistakes, our own sinful lives, and some is just because the world is broken. Somebody gets a disease, it's not their fault, you know, they're born with it, because it's the broken world, it's a sinful world. So in Genesis 2.17, it says, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat, for that day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So they begin to die. Up to that point, everything was perfect. So that's how that sin was the beginning of suffering. So we're all acquainted with sufferings, some kind of suffering, right? In Romans 5, 12, it says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sin. We all, all of us have sinned, but it started with Adam, right? So then we inherited that sin nature, 1 Corinthians 15, 21, it says, For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. So that's the good news. Because of our fallen nature, you know, we have suffering we have because of sin. And then the good news is that Jesus came to give us that resurrection power. You know, I like what, it, what Peter, Peter quotes uh, from Isaiah 53, and he says, in Isaiah 53, it says, by my stripes you are healed. And Peter says, by my stripes you were healed. That means when Jesus was crucified and resurrected, in one sense, we're all healed. But then you say, well, I don't feel healed, right? So it's part of this life until we get the new body, right? If you're, if you're old like me, then you're already feeling that, the effects of old age, which is one of the things that started happening after sin. They started aging. The good news that you know is that when we all know Jesus came to save the lost, and we were all lost, and we have the promise of eternal life, yet we have this promise of eternal life, yet we still suffer. How does that how does that reconcile, right? And so the, so the the re- the first reason that people suffer unless is is not a reason that you're supposed to suffer. Some of us suffer unnecessarily because of things that we have choices that we have made and then many of us have and and are suffering things that we ourselves caused, you know? 
So, so we have to come clean with that. And so th there's a question that I get often, maybe you guys have heard it. It says, what it, what, why is this happening to me? Why is God doing this to me? And, and, and you're correct to say God is doing it because if you're a Christian, it has to pass through his hand. But we have to examine ourselves when things happen to see if I had anything to do with it. Because a lot of times it is the cause, our own cause. And, and so if that is the case, then we should have an examination of ourselves. I always ask myself when things are happening, did I, what did I do? Did I cause something to, to happen? And so Paul wrote to the Corinthian church in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And I just want to remind us of it as he's uh, in verses, verse uh, 27. It says, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats the drink and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. So, in verse 31, it says, For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. So it is a time of examination in our lives when things are going wrong and we're going through stuff just to see if we've, if we've caused any of it. And, and I'm sure all of us have in some point or another in our lives. we made mistakes, we made choices that we had to reap the consequences, right? But we have a forgiving God. So that the point is that when we realize these things, we must come and ask Jesus Christ for forgiveness, right? We know that he's faithful and just to forgive our sins if we confess our sins. So that's what we do. A lot of times we spend time blaming instead of confessing that, that situation. That blaming thing also started in the garden, right? They started blaming somebody. She blamed the serpent. He blamed his wife. And he actually blamed God. He said, you're the one who gave me that woman, you see? So we have to always come clean, you know? So I want to share an example of, of a Bible example of how bad choices could cause a whole lot of damage in our lives. You know, it, it's self-inflicted. It's unnecessary. It, it wasn't necessary for this to happen. And, and the damage it caused and the suffering that it caused... King David and his family, it shouldn't have happened. And we can relate because we've probably been in some of those situations ourselves. So I just want to go through through some some of the drama that happened in Second Samuel chapter 11. I'm sure you guys are familiar with the story. So I'm going to read some verses from there. So in verses 1 through 5, we see what happened. And it happened in the spring of the year, at that time, when the kings go out to battle, and David sent Joab and his servants with him, and all Israel, and they destroyed the people of Ammon, besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house, and from the roof he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful to behold. So David sent and inquired about the woman, and someone said, 
Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite? And David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her, for she was cleansed from her impurity, and she returned to her house. And the woman conceived, so she sent and told David and said, I am with child. So, interesting, you know, that he could, he could have went out to battle, but instead, you know, he let his uh, desires of his heart, of the lust of his heart, take over. And so, the repercussions is what I want to show you of that sin. Of that sin that maybe wasn't thought out. A lot of times we do things we don't think through. What could happen? What's going to happen? And so we see all the damage that happened to David's life and to his family. And so I just want to show you uh, the first thing that happened, and I'm going to paraphrase it a little bit, is that he tried to cover up the sin, right? So one sin led to another sin. So he called for Uriah to come from the battle. And in verse 9, he says, but Uriah, he called him, but he wanted Uriah to go sleep with his wife so the baby could be his, so the people could think it's his. But, they, but this is what Uriah did in verse 9. It says, But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of the Lord and did not go to his house. So when they told David, saying Uriah did not go to his house, David said, Uriah, did you not come from the journey? Why did you not go down to your house? And in verse 11, he answers, And Uriah said to David, The ark and Israel and Judah are dwelling in tents, and my lord Joab and the servants of the Lord are encamped in the open fields. Shall I then go to my house, eat and drink, and to lie with my wife as you live, and as your soul lives, I will not do this thing. Uriah was was more faithful in that time than David was. You see, so David called him out of the field to try to cover it up, and he plotted to, for him to go for Uriah to go to his house, but he didn't do it. So, you see, the, the thing is going to get worse as we go along. So then, if we go to verse 13, and it says, And now David called him and ate, and he drank before him, and he made him drunk. And at the evening he went out to lie in his bed, and the servants of the Lord, but he did not go down to his house. So David makes another plan. He tries to get him drunk. So he can go home and be with his wife. That doesn't work. So then what happens next? Another plot. In verse 15 it says, Then he wrote in the letter saying, Set Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle and retreat from him that he may be struck down and die. So now he contacts Joab and he tells him, Hey, set this guy up so he can be killed. So it goes from adultery to murder, right? So in verse 24, the archers shot from the wall at, the, at your servants, and some of the king's servants are dead, and your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead. So he got the report. He got the report. None of, the, none of it we read where, where he was grieved, you know, where he was repented, you know. Instead, he plotted to commit murder. In verse 26, it says, when, when the wife of Uriah heard Uriah, her husband, was dead, and she mourned for her husband. And when the morning was over, David sent and brought her to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing that David did, had done, displeased the Lord. 
You see, that is already the beginning of, of a whole lot of bad things that are going to happen. And I just want to share a little bit of that with you. And so, you know, the, the, the important thing is what I said earlier is to come clean before God, to repent before the Lord. So in, ver in chapter 12, you know, he had this baby and he doesn't repent. He still goes almost a year or about a year before he, the prophet has to come and address him. So in, uh, in verse, uh, chapter 12, you know, the prophet has to come. And then it says right there in uh, verse 1, Then the Lord sent Nathan da to David, and he came to him, and he said to him, There are two men in the city, one rich and the other poor. And the rich man had exceedingly many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb, which he bought and he nourished, and it grew up together with him and with his children. And he ate of his own food and drank from his own cup and lay in his bosom. It was like a daughter to him. And the traveler, a traveler came to the rich man who refused to take from his own flock and from his own herd to prepare one for the wafering man who had come to him. And he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the, for the man who had come to him. So David's anger was greatly aroused against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this shall surely die. And he still doesn't get it. He still doesn't get it. He still doesn't get it. And that's the way we are sometimes. We still don't get it. We still don't get that we brought some of this stuff on ourselves. It's always good to keep short accounts with God. You see, we have to always have confession on our lips. And so David says in verse 6, and he, and he shall restore fourfold the lamb because he did this thing and because he had no pity. So David sees that this guy should die. And that's the sentence that David had if he had, the people had found out adultery, murder, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, right? That was by the law. But the response you know, that, that Nathan says, and Nathan said to David, you are the man, thus says the Lord God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel and delivered you from the hand of Saul. David forgot how he was suffering before all of this happened, before he was king. He had suffered the persecution of Saul and how God had delivered him. And now that suffering was bad enough, but now he was going to bring his own suffering onto his family. And in verse 9, he gets the, 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 the prophet tells him what's going to happen. And now therefore the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus, I'm sorry, that was, that was verse 10. And thus says the Lord, behold, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of this son for you did it secretly, but I will do it, do this thing before all Israel, before the sun. So you see, the punishment that he's going to get from God it seems pretty harsh. It's going to be harsh. And we could say, you know, that's maybe God is too hard on him. But the Bible tells me that, that God loves us. And because he loves us, he chastens us. 
And also the Bible tells me that who too much is given, much is required. So David was a king. So he was, had brought it all, all this stuff on himself, right? And so in verse 13, it says, So David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord also has put away your sins. You shall not die. So God is showing mercy at the same time. But it starts with confession. You see, once he confessed, then we see that God is showing mercy. However, be, because by this deed you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also who is born to you shall surely die. And so then, that's the other punishment. You see, you could say, well, it's unfair to the child. We, you know, because when people pass away who are our loved ones, you know, we suffer through that. But it was David and his wife that were going to suffer through that. The child was going to be with the Lord. He was going to suffer for a little while through that pain, that illness. But it was them who were going to suffer. So then, you know, David goes through, through that. Seems like a lot already, right? But it's not over yet. It's not over at all yet. So then we continue on. And the next thing that happens to him is in his house. You know, there's a, he has these two sons, Absalom, in, verse, in chapter 13, it's covered. He has these two sons, Absalom, and the other, Amnon. And Amnon is in love with his sister, Tamar. And he comes up with a plot. He also plots, just like his father, to come up with a plot to sleep. The sexual sin that he started now transfers over to his son. He comes up with the plot to trick his sister to, so he could get her in bed. And uh, in chapter 13, verse 11, it says, Now when she had brought them, him to eat, he, told, he took hold of her and said to her, Come lie with me, my sister. But she answered him, No, my brother, do not force me, for no such thing should be done in Israel. Do not do this disgraceful thing. And then, and I, where I could take my shame, and as for you, you would be like one of those fools of Israel. Now, therefore, please speak to the king, for he will not withhold me from you. However, he would not heed her voice, and being stronger than she, she forced her, he, he forced her and lay with her. So now, this, this continued of sexual sin comes through his son, and then, it doesn't end there. You know, it doesn't end there. Now, in verse 28, you know, in the same chapter, it says, And Absalom had commanded his servants, saying, Watch now when Amon's heart is merry with wine, and when I say to you, Strike Amon and kill him, do not, be, do not be afraid, for I have commanded you, Be courageous and valiant. So the servants of Absalom did to Amon as Absalom had commanded. Then all the king's sons rose, and each one got to his, his mule and fled. So what Absalom did is he wanted vengeance for his sister. So he set up another plot, you know, plotting evil to kill his own brother, you see. And, and so it continues the, from the very beginning when David decided to sin, when he sinned in his heart, 
And he said, go bring her to me. And so I just want to show us how sin of our own fault has brought us suffering and our family suffering. And, and all of us are aware and know about these things because we've been there. Maybe not to this great extent. And I only bring it up that we should know to go to the Lord and ask for forgiveness when these things happen. That's what we should do, right? And so, so then Absalom flees, you know, in chapter 15, he, he flees, you know, I'm sorry, not, not Absalom, David has to flee because Absalom later on takes the kingdom from his father. But prior to that, you know, he, he uh, after he kills his brother, he starts to plot to, starts bad-mouthing David and eventually takes the kingdom away from David. And, and uh, that's covered in chapter 15, which is going to cover a few verses, uh, verse 13. And it says, Now a messenger came to David, saying, The hearts of the men of Israel are with Absalom. So David said to all his servants who were with him in Jerusalem, Arise, let us flee, or we shall not escape from Absalom. Make haste to depart, lest he overtake us suddenly and bring disaster upon us and strike the city with the edge of the sword. And the king's servant said to the king, We are your servants, ready to do whatever my lord the king commands. Then the king went out and all the household after him. But the king left ten women, concubines, to keep the house. So now... What the prophet had said is going to happen in chapter 16 in verses 20 and 22 through 22. What the prophet had said that what David did in secret was going to be done by his son in the open. So it, it says right there in chapter 16, verse 20. Then Absalom said to Ahithophel, give advice as to what we should do. And Ahithophel said to Absalom, go to your father's house concubine go into your father's concubines whom he has left to keep the house and all Israel will hear that you are aboard by your father then the hands of all who are with you will be strong so he pitched a tent for Absalom on the top of the house and Absalom went to his father's con into his father's concubines in the sight of all Israel one mistake one mistake so I thank God you know that that my mistakes haven't caused this much. And I do believe that God has shown me an abundant amount of mercy. And I do believe the reason why is because I have kept very short accounts with him. And, and David, I believe that that was another big mistake, is that he took a whole year. And even then, he didn't repent until the Nathan had to come and tell him. And even with that story, he says, let's get that guy, you know. Let's get that guy who did that, you see. He should, be, he should die, you see. And so we have to know that, you know, God knows everything. How can we hide from him, right? And so now we should notice that David was no stranger to suffering. You know, he was running all them years. Many years he's running from Saul. Many years. But this suffering... He caused on himself and on his family. So our mistakes could cause a lot of damage, right? The Bible tells us that we're called to suffer, but not because of doing wrong, but 
suffering for Jesus Christ. Second Timothy 3.12, it says, Yes, and all who desire to live, a godly in, to live godly in Christ, Jesus will suffer persecution. Psalm 34.19 says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. And so we are familiar with John three, John sixteen thirty three. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you have, may have peace, and in the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. So if you've been walking with the Lord, you're probably no stranger to trials. You probably had a whole bunch of trials, you know. And so what, what's the point of these trials that God puts in our life is to strengthen us, strengthen our faith, right? To make us stronger in the faith. And uh, the problem is how we go through them. You know, a lot of times our attitude is wrong. You know, our attitude is, is, is messed up when God allows these trials in our lives. You know, if God allows it in our lives, it's good for us. As long as we know that we didn't cause them. In James chapter 1, verse 2, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. So suffering through the trials is part of God conforming us into his image. Going through these things that God has allowed in our lives is bringing us closer to him if we draw close to him and it is to conform us into his image the bible says that the servant is not greater than his master so if the master suffered which is jesus christ suffered all for us then for us to go through stuff is no big deal right we sh we should know that and we should understand it and uh Paul writes to the Philippians in chapter 3, and he says that I, in verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the, the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. And so Paul's writing and saying, hey, we should have the fellowship with the sufferings of Jesus Christ. And some of it is, it means that we're going to go through stuff. But it's got to be not of our own doing, but of God's doing. And it's got to be for His glory. It's for His glory, the things we go through. It's for His glory and honor. And so Paul can write that because he's not a stranger to sufferings. This is the guy who was persecuting the church. This is the guy who, who was persecuting God's people and thought he was doing God's work, doing it. And then... What happened to Paul? Paul was on his way to Damascus to persecute the Christians, to put them in jail. He had already been there as a witness as they stoned Stephen to death. And then, you know, God called Paul as he was going. And the first thing he says, you know, is that you, Lord? And then he says, what do you want me to do? And then if, if you want to turn to Acts, we'll, we'll see what happened, what, what God says to him. Chapter 9, in chapter 9, it says in verse 10, And there was a certain disciple in Damascus named Ananias. So, and to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Arise and go 
to the straight called to the street called straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus for behold he is praying and in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. And Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has the authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is, my, he is a chosen vessel of mine, to bear my name before Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. So Paul would suffer much. He would suffer much. We're going to see the examples of his suffering, but it also applies to us. We've been called to suffer for the name of Jesus Christ. Now, we know brothers and sisters around the world who are suffering unto death, who have suffered unto death. We haven't really been there here, but it could happen. But the sufferings that we, that we suffer for Christ is for his glory and for his honor, right? And so we have to have the attitude like Paul had, you know, through, as he went through these things. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, it talks about the stuff he went through. And I'll read it for us. Chapter 11 and verse uh, 22. Are they, so he says, Paul saying, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? Speak, I speak as a fool. I am more in the labors, more abundant in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods since I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked at night, a night and a day I have been in the deep, in the journeys often, in perils, waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, and perils among false brethren, in the weariness and toil and sleeplessness often, no hunger and thirst, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. So Paul suffered a lot. At the end of his life, he was beheaded for Christ, right? And so that's an example of suffering for Christ, right? And I don't know if, you, if we think like that, if we, you know, have you ever said, I didn't sign up for this. You know, a lot of our suffering, at least a, a lot of my suffering, has been with other people. You know, you could get a sickness, you could get a disease, that's suffering, right? But some, for me, it seems like people are like my disease sometimes, you know? And they're difficult because we've got to love them because we are Christians. We love them, right? And they're difficult to love, challenging. But then I'm reminded how God loves us, how God loves us unconditionally. And we are to love the same way. You see, you know, we could, we could be like the, the regular people who love the people they love, right? 
and the people that are difficult, they just kick them out, right? So, so the disciples were no strangers to the idea because Jesus told them in Matthew 4, 24, 9, he says, then they will deliver you up in, up to tribulation and kill you and you will be hated by all nations for my namesake. There's that, that my namesake, right? And in John chapter 21, he speaks to Peter. He speaks to Peter and he tells him what's going to happen. I wonder if, if Jesus told us that where we follow him. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, when you, are, when you were younger and you girded yourself and walk where you wished, and when you were old, when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. Then he, this he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. So you notice how he says about glorifying God. You see? So our lives should glorify God. But here he's telling Peter, not only your life, but your death. You ever think about dying, and we think about it, and we say, I want to die in my sleep. I don't want to suffer, right? And, and God has mercy, right? God has mercy on us. But whatever God says, right? We might say, you know, I didn't sign up for this, and I say, used to say that before, right? But now I know I did sign up for it. I did sign up for it. And that if... The suffering that we go through could bring somebody to Christ, right? You know, could bring somebody to the Lord. Imagine that. Imagine that what you go through could bring somebody to the Lord. Somebody who, who's struggled with a disease for many years and all the people that I've seen come to Christ. Imagine when that person figures it out and says, Man, maybe I should have suffered a little more. Maybe more would have came, right? And so Jesus Christ, he suffered and died, and we came to Christ. Imagine that if what we go through could bring someone to, to the Lord, right? So then in Mark chapter 10, verse 21, then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, one thing you lack and go your way, sell whatever you have and give it to the poor and you will have a treasure in heaven and come and take up your cross and follow me. So this part of our cross, guys, the suffering that God allows us to go through is part of our cross. The cross that's designed by God for every individual who, who's a believer, the problem is sometimes we do wrong things, we make bad choices, and we add to the cross. It wasn't supposed to be like that. We add to, to, to the burdens, right? But the good news, there is good news in it, because Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty nine, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you, sh you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, that's what God allows in our lives. His, his, his yoke is easy. But when we add to it, it wasn't meant for us to suffer some of the things we go through. It wasn't meant for it. It's our mistakes, right? So prior to Jesus' death and resurrection, the apostles were asking. They would often ask sometimes, who's going to sit on the left and who's going to sit on the right? You know, I'm happy to be under his shoe, you know, but they didn't know. See, they thought he was going to be this Messiah that they're waiting for now that's going to be a political leader, 
So they thought, well, somebody's going to sit on the left. It's a position of, of authority, of prominence, right? So I'm going to read from uh, Matthew 20 on, on that situation and that they were asking about in verses uh, Matthew 20, uh, 20, 20. So, there, so then the mother of these two guys, the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him and her sons kneeling down and asking something from him. And he said to her, what do you want? What do you wish? And she said, grant that these two sons of mine may sit one on your right and the other on the left in your kingdom. And Jesus answered and said, do you, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink? and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. And they said to him, we are able. So they, again, they didn't understand just like us. Sometimes we don't understand what God is saying. They were asking to, to uh, sit on the left or to the right. And Jesus is saying, are you able to drink of the cup? To walk with Jesus Christ, you have to drink of this cup of suffering. That's what he was talking about. And they did drink of the cup. Because they they all were killed for for the for the Bible, for the scriptures for for the for the Jesus that we that were they were walking with for the Jesus that we serve they all were killed for their faith in Him, and God isn't asking us to be killed at this moment. Maybe later, I don't know. I don't know God's plan, but that's what the ultimate payment that they drinking of that cup, you know that God had designed for them. So the only one that wasn't killed is the Apostle John because God had mercy on him. And it wasn't because they didn't try. They boiled him in hot oil. It was just that God didn't allow it because he had other things for him to do. You know? And so in conclusion of suffering, suffering will come. The only question is why is it for Christ or is it for my mistakes? Is it for my choices, bad choices, or is it for Jesus Christ? So then, if you turn with me to First Peter, see what he says about it. So First Peter chapter 4. And beginning in verse 12. So, so Peter is writing and he says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning a fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you. That's us all the time. Why is this happening to me? In verse 13 it says, But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may, be al- may also be glad with exceeding joy if you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of, the glo- of glory and of God t- and God tests upon you on their heart. On their heart, he is blasphemed, but in your part, I'm sorry, in your part, he is blasphemed and, and in your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody or in other people's matters, yet If anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God to this manner. So this suffering that we're called to for Christ is to glorify him, is to glorify. Our suffering 
is to glorify God. So, you know, he says, count it all joy, right? What does that mean? Should I have a party? Should I have a party and, you know, have a good time because I'm going through? It doesn't feel like that when you're going through it, right? But it says, when you count it out joy, it means that you know the end. That you know no matter what is happening in your life, that you know the end already. You see, with God, there is no time. He already sees us in, in glory with Him, you see. We already have that reservation. So that's what counting it out joy is. is We have that understanding, sustained assurance that we have a place with the Lord. That the suffering is only for a while. It's only for a moment. That little boy, who, who David's little boy, who doesn't even have a name in the, in the Bible there, he suffered for a little while. And he went to be with God, to be with the Lord, right? So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, it says, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far exceedingly and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. You see, that's what we're looking at. We're looking at our eternal destination. We're looking at what God has reserved for us. We're looking at the promise that God has given us. You know, the promise is not here. Here, we are filled with the Spirit to be able to, to walk in these trials, to be able to, that God would sustain us and keep us and deliver us, you know. And so that's, we're, we're like, like when the, the Israelites, when the, when the Jew, Jews were taken into to Babylon, they were behind enemy lines. We're behind enemy lines as well. And so we have these things that are going to happen to us. They're going to happen. They're going to happen. We're going to go through stuff. Some of you have gone through things already. You lost people in your life. People are suffering. People are sick. And some God will restore and some won't. he won't. And we've got to be tried, our faith, right? The testing of our faith. But if we put our mind on Christ, if we put our focus on Jesus Christ, then you're going to go through them. And then I, I'm reminded of the apostles when they were beaten, when they were speaking the name of Jesus Christ in the book of Acts, and they rejoiced that they were suffered for speaking the name of Jesus Christ. We suffer many things in our lives for things that we did, if we have done right. You know, I'm reminded of Joseph going to prison, and he didn't do anything. He didn't deserve it. But he knew that God had a greater plan in his life. He knew that one day God was going to use that position from that prison to the second strong man in the, in the country next to the Pharaoh and that he would use that to deliver his people. You see? And so persecution came into the church in the book of Acts and they were dispersed and then God spread the word of God to other places. So we don't know what God's going to do with the suffering. The problem 
is that sometimes we don't give God the opportunity to, we, he, to see what he's going to do because we take matters into our own hands. We take our own authority instead of waiting upon the Lord and then we don't give him the, the opportunity to make something out of that, turning everything together for good. We don't do we Sometimes we don't do that. We don't see God's hand in it because we don't allow it. We're not waiting upon the Lord when things happen. We're not praying and asking him to uh, come into our lives. So in closing, we got a, uh, a couple minutes. I just want to share something with you that, you know, when I get the, the, <laughs> the assignment, then I get this word suffering and I'm like, okay, Lord, I don't know about that. And so then, that day, yesterday, I, the Lord showed me to do it early. Usually I'll start studying about 12 o'clock. takes me a couple hours. But the Lord said, "Go do it early. You know God, God's plan is perfect, right? You know God, when he speaks, he wants you to do something that's perfect. So I started early, and I was almost finished. It was almost 1 o'clock, and then I got a text from Brother Henry saying uh, if I could meet the air-conditioned guy here at around 2. So I said, okay, that's why you told me to do it early, Lord. So I could finish on time. And so then I came over here. The guy called me and he, and he said, I'll be there in 10 minutes. So I came over here and I was waiting for him. And as I was waiting in my car, I was thinking, Lord, are you sure that that's the right lesson? Are you sure that that's, that's the right lesson? And then I got a phone call. And, the, and I, I thought it was the guy calling me saying he was here. And uh, it was a number I didn't recognize. And it, they hung up right away. So then I thought, okay, the guy must be in the back. I better walk over here. So then the phone rang again, same number. And it was a dear sister who comes here once in a blue moon because her health is bad. She's elderly, you know. And uh, I, I got to tell you, I've never have got a phone call from her, ever. In fact, she told me she probably lost my number. So it wasn't a coincidence that she was calling because why? Because I said, how are you doing? She started telling me about all the suffering, all the suffering she's going through. She's, she can't sleep because she's in pain all the time. She's got fibromyalgia, all kinds of ail ailments. She's, she's up there in age, you know. And I said, Sister, I'm, I'm going to tell you what I've been doing this morning, you know, studying for, the, for Wednesday about suffering. I said, you're suffering because of your age and because God loves you. And it's for his glory. And she says, oh, no, brother. I'm suffering, too, because it's my own fault. Because I lived a bad life, too. So, so, so what I'm telling you is that the Lord had her call me to, to tell me, hey, this is what I want you to share. This is what I want you to share with, with the people. That suffering's going to happen, probably more coming up than we want to believe. But we have a God who has already suffered for us. We have a God who already paid the price. So, again, it's only for, for our light affliction, which is for a moment, is working for us far more exceedingly in an eternal weight of glory. Amen? So if you guys could please stand, and then uh, I have some more, a couple more scriptures, and if the musicians could come up, and we'll close. So, so I want to read these verses over you as a prayer, and it's because when you're suffering in your life, you remember these, that God is going to do this in your life. 
So they're from the book of Numbers. And it goes, uh, it says, And the Lord bless you and keep you. And the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and may he give you peace.